What a great day, amen? It's a great day to be alive. It's a great day to be a part of the body of Christ, especially during this time of year and this season around this Easter resurrection time. It's a great time to be able to connect with people. There's a lot of interested people during this time that really want to know whether this, resur- this resurrection stuff is really true or not. You know, I mean, I've had a lot, through the years, I've had a lot of different people that, you know, have said things or asked me questions like, I'm, I'm sure a lot of you the same way. And, and uh, one guy that I was talking to um, several years back, and he was, he was, he, he kept, you know, saying to me, yeah, but, but, what, but what if you're wrong? Yeah, but what if it's not right? But what if that's really not the way? And, and, and I looked at him and I said, yeah, but what if it is? And he goes, yeah. I said, so if I'm wrong, okay, I'm not going to be out. Because if I'm wrong, I did it and, and really believed it was true and it wasn't true. But I said, if you're wrong, you're going to miss out on everything that this world and this kingdom that, that we're talking about and the resurrection and what it produced. You're going to miss out on every, everything that you could have had, and, and you don't want to miss out. And that, I had that opportunity years ago to share with this, this certain person, and he got born again. I mean, there was a time when he actually got saved and born again. And, and so you, we don't want to, we don't want to underestimate the opportunities that we have during this season to minister to people that are really open, you know, because all through, all over the media and, and all over the world, people, people during this time talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Whether they believe it or not, they talk about it, and, and it's everywhere. So make sure to, to be aware and take the opportunity to to be aware of the people in the highways and the byways, in your highways and your byways that we've been talking about all this last year. Don't, don't, don't miss the opportunities out there that you have during the season to, to just be open to be able to share with people because I'm telling you, people are hungry. Can you say amen? So last week was our first of four messages leading to, to Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, and... Uh, um, the title of my series is From the Cradle to the Grave. There was no birth, there would be no resurrection. If there was no life of Jesus, if he hadn't lived the life that he did and, and fulfilled the prophecies that had been prophesied about him, there would be no resurrection. So the manger, the cradle, was vitally important. It was vitally important that Mary receive what the angel said when she said, you know, I don't understand it, but, but so be it according to the word of God. And she was impregnated by the Holy Spirit, and she gave birth to Jesus. And we talked about last week that he was, the, the subtitle of my message last week was, was that he was, he was born to die. He was born, he came to this earth for one specific reason, and that was to die for you and I. And we see it, and it's very clear. But today, I want to talk about the life. Subtitle of my message today is The Life, The Life of Jesus. I want want to talk about his whole life, and, and all through the Old Testament, 
prophecies throughout the Old Testament talked about the coming Messiah and who he would be and, and the way he would live and how he would live his life. And, and to really understand that is to understand what our purpose and plan. If you don't understand why Jesus came, why God came in the form of Jesus Christ to the earth, if you don't understand that and, and, and you don't appropriate it correctly, then you, you miss in life what your purpose and plan is. Because my plan and my destiny is connected to what he accomplished. Your plan and your destiny is connected to what Jesus accomplished. And if we don't understand that, and we don't have revelation and insight into that on a, on a regular daily basis, we're not growing and evolving in that on, on a regular basis, then, then we begin to lose focus and sight of why we're even here. And many people do. Many people even that are born again can live depressed lives and lives where there's no understanding and no revelation because, because they're not appropriating what Jesus came to do. I've said this many times. If you've been here for very long, you've heard me say this over and over and over and over again. But I like to hear myself say it because it's absolutely true and we have to be reminded of it all the time. Jesus, God, God's sending of the best of heaven was not for him to become something that he already was. He already was the Son of God. Jesus was not manifested to become the Son of God. He was manifested in the earth to become the Son of Man. He already was the Son of God. He already was the living Word. He already was that He was. But He left the riches of heaven to come to the poverty of this earth that you and I could be rich and prosperous and advancing in everything that we do. Everything. God created us to be empowered and to live our lives empowered. And we've got to understand that. But to, to do that, the second part of my four-part series is about his life and you've got to understand his life and we've got to be able to glean from his life and not just look at his life in the form of awe and wonder and we do but we go beyond the awe and and the wonder of his magnificent life his sinless life and we allow it to be an example that we can follow after God intended for you and I to follow in His footsteps, not just to live in awe of what He did in the three years of ministry when He was on planet Earth. He intended for us to move past the awe. He wants us to keep the awe and the reverence of His deity, but He wants us to understand that we, you and I, were made joint heirs with Him to accomplish everything that He accomplished on the, word, on the earth and even greater things. So today... I'm going to read about six passages of Scripture. I don't usually read this much Scripture, but it's, I feel like it's really important for us to read it in, in, in this message. And what we're talking about is the life of Jesus. So a real popular verse of Scripture in John 3, and verse 16. And this story is Jesus talking to the Pharisee Nicodemus and Nicodemus, in all of his education, was not getting what he was saying. He said, a man must be born again. And he said, how can you be born a second time? What do we do, go back and re-enter into our mother's womb? No, it's impossible. So he said, 
He that's born of the flesh is flesh, but he that's born of the Spirit is spirit. And if you've been born of the flesh, and if you're sitting here today, you have been, or you wouldn't be sitting here today. If you've been born of the flesh, then the second birth, the second time that we're born, this second birth now becomes our identity. When you're born again, now you're not identified with where you came from in the natural realm. Now your identity is in Christ. So it's second birth. And that's what Jesus was talking to Nicodemus. And in verse 16 he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. God so loved you and I that he gave the best of heaven. Amen? And that's where the life and, and the three years of ministry began. Jesus spent 30 years of preparation for three years of ministry. Sometimes we want to spend six months of prep and have, you know, an eternal ministry or life or effectiveness in the things we do. He spent 30 years of preparation for three years of ministry to fulfill his purpose on the earth, and that was to die. We've got to understand that. We've got to understand it better today than we've ever understood it in our lives. No matter how much you think you understand it, I'm telling you, you don't know it how you need to know it. And God set it up that way. We need to understand things in a greater way all the time. That's what keeps our hearts turned toward Him, and it keeps our relationships right with Him. Because we understand who we are in Him. Amen? Um, so, In Luke chapter 4, I'm just going to read through some verses of Scripture to kind of outline his life in the earth. In Luke chapter 4, we see Jesus, the moment or the, the, the hours after, days after, he was baptized in the River Jordan by, by John the Baptist, um, we see the beginning of his earthly ministry here in Luke chapter 4, at least Luke's account of his earthly ministry. Now I just want to start reading with verse 1. It says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Just a point about that. It's amazing. Jesus is filled with the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Spirit is leading him into a wilderness situation. He's leading him there being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And he comes through that whole situation and he speaks the Word of God and declares the Word of God. Then after that whole situation in verse 14, it says, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee and news of him went out throughout all the surrounding region and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath. And he stood up to read, and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, covering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it to the attendant and he sat down and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture 
is fulfilled in your hearing. And, and remember, they knew him. It was his custom. He was a churchgoer. He attended church. At 12 years old, we have an account of when he had been left behind in Jerusalem. His family went back to get him, and it said he grew in stature and in wisdom and in understanding as he submitted to his parents. He was submitted to authority, and he was in the church. That was his custom. And it says here, as was his custom, he was in the synagogue, and he, and, and he stood up to read as was his custom. It wasn't abnormal for him to stand up and read certain things like that because he was educated and he was prepared. And when he said this, the eyes were fixed on him, and ultimately what they were wanting to do is stone him to death and take him out because, you know, this is Joseph's son. Who the heck does he think he is? Who is he to say that this scripture has been fulfilled? This scripture, this scripture passage is about the coming Messiah. Who the heck do you think you are? So think about that when we read the next verse. Acts chapter 10. Acts 10. And verse 34. <clears throat> Remember, we're talking today about the life of Jesus. And what his life came here to do and to produce for you and I. He didn't come here to become something that he already was. He came here to become the Son of Man. In verse 34 of Acts 10, this is Peter preaching. And I'm, we're not going to set the tone here, but it's Peter preaching to Cornelius' household. And it says, Peter opened his mouth and he said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. He's no respecter of person." But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, for he is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Why? Why? Because he was the Son of God? No. Scripture says, this says it was because God was with him. See, none of that happened with him until after he was baptized in the River Jordan and the Holy Spirit came upon him. None, none of the miracles, none, none of the ministry happened, but yet he was, he was the Son of God for 30 plus years with no miracles. See, until the Holy Spirit came upon him. Why? Because he had to be the perfect example of a human being that could walk in the dominion and the power of God on earth so you and I could walk in his footsteps. That's why we've got to understand this life. So let's go back to the Gospels and let's look at his life. Matthew chapter 4. And verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. That's what he came to do, was to bring heaven to earth and the kingdom of God to the earth so that men could understand the kingdom of God. And healing all kinds of disease, or all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria and they brought, him, they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, possessed, epileptics, uh, 
And he healed them, and great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from all the different regions and, and, and all those different cities. Why? Because he brought the kingdom of heaven to the earth. And he brought the teaching of the kingdom to the earth to accomplish things with people. And see, see what happens is that man wants to just be in awe of what he did. He wants us to be in awe of what he did and never forget what he did but then embrace the fact that He did it for us so we could do what He did. Don't forget that as I back it up with Scripture. Matthew 6 and verse 33. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. Matthew 6 and 33. Let's read it together up here, or just follow with me as we read it. And this is in the Amplified. But seek, aim at, strive after, first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness, which in parentheses defining what his kingdom and righteousness are, his way of doing and his way of being right. See, there's, there's a way of doing that is not his way, that's not the exact right way to do something. There's God's way and then there's everybody else's way. What we have to tap into through the revelation of his word, we have to tap into the understanding of the way he does things. And what he expects. See, if he empowered Jesus, and he's no respecter of person like we read in Acts 10, 34. He's no respecter of person. He empowered Jesus. And the Apostle Peter was preaching to Gentiles, which if you're not of the, uh, directly of the Jewish heritage, then we're all engrafted Jews today, like Cornelius' house was. And he preached to them that God's no respecter of person. He'll do for one person like he'll do it for anybody else. doesn't matter where you came from, what country you were born in, what color your skin is, or anything else. God is no respecter of person. In fact, there's only two races of people on planet earth in God's eyes. Those who are born again and those who aren't. In God's eyes. And yet, He created everybody in His image, whether we're born again or not. And to understand that, there's no partiality with him. He's no respecter of person. So what he did for Jesus, he did for Jesus so that Jesus could do for us. Right? And empower us to accomplish all that he created us to be and to do. So we want to think like God, and we want to act like God, so we can get everything else. And he says, and then all these other things that we tend to worry and be fretful about, that humanity does, all these things taken together will be given you besides. As we do what? As we seek His kingdom and His righteousness first. Now, follow with me. <clears throat> um, eighth chapter. And the fifth verse. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak the word. Speak the word only, in other words, and my servant will be healed. For I am also a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and my servant do this, and, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. And watch this. And he said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, the ones who's followed him, and everybody else, 
I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you believe, so let it be done to you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Why was, his servant, why was the servant healed? The question is, why was the servant healed? Because he was the son of God? Or because the centurion had faith that he would be? All through the Gospels, in every account, time and time and time and time again, Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. Right here, it was the faith. He marveled at the faith and the understanding that the centurion had that he didn't see in anybody else in all of Israel. Of all, all of Israel. And here, here was the beginnings of what Jesus was looking for in his disciples. He was looking for people that would connect with him in the understanding of heaven. See, he brought the kingdom of heaven to the earth, and the kingdom of heaven is God's way of doing and being right, God's way of right thinking. And the right thinking was, listen, listen, I'm not going to be with you very long. I'm not going to be with you a long, long period of time, so you're going to have to get this thing. I didn't come here just to flex my muscles and run off a bunch of demons and let everybody know how big that I am. I'm already big. I'm already that. I came here for you to believe that the power that's in me can live inside of you and you do what I did. Yep. Tenth chapter. Watch. So you see that with the centurion and now you see this in his releasing of his disciples. Verse 1, And when he called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Verse 5, these twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter the city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Watch what he told them to do. What did he tell them to do? He told them to heal the sick. He told them to cleanse the lepers. He told them to raise the dead and told them to cast out devils. Freely you've received, freely give it. Freely operate. Notice, he told them to heal the sick. He told them to heal the sick in his name. And even though he had not been crucified, this was kind of like a, this was kind of like a down payment. This was kind of like, I'm giving you earnest, earnest money here, and, and I'm giving you the beginnings of what's fixing to come, and I want you to start practicing now. Hmm? That's what he was telling them. I'm telling you today, God wants you and I practicing this stuff every day. Every day. Every day. <clears throat> Mark chapter 4. There's several accounts of this, but I like Mark's better. And he said this. <clears throat> Remember, this is Jesus' life, and it's what he was preparing them for, for what was coming. Next, next Sunday, <clears throat> I've got a message Probably a, one of the deepest messages that I've preached up to this point. But 
I haven't got the title exactly right yet, but I'll get it right. But my message next week is 12 hours of the most difficult and grueling time that any human being has ever spent or had or dealt with on planet Earth. 12 hours from the pit to the cross. 12 hours of grueling torment, of taking all the sins of all of mankind and everything that he went through. No human being has ever even come close to enduring that. I mean, all of us together haven't even come close to enduring what he endured for us. And that's what we're going to talk about. But first and foremost, we've got to understand daily what his life was here. It was an example for you and I to follow after. Do we need examples in planet Earth? There's a scripture in the Bible that says, it says there, there are many instructors, but there are very few fathers. And throughout America, you see the lack of fatherhood in the way you see a lot of young, especially young men, acting and, and perceiving life and trying to walk in life because they have no examples. Well, there are people in Christianity, in church life, that are trying to accomplish Christ-likeness because Christian means Christ-like. And they're trying to accomplish that, but yet they're not allowing what Jesus' life produced to be the example that they emulate and follow after. So how are we going to be like Christ if we're not really viewing what he did was for us, for us to emulate that and follow it and walk in his footsteps? So many Christians today that I know, and I'm not being critical of that, I'm just saying so many Christians that I know think that it's almost blasphemy to think that, you, that, that we have the same rights and same power and same anointing and same you know, abilities that Jesus had. And I'm going to read a scripture in a minute where he said, even greater works were we called to do because now he goes to the Father and we can all do what he did. See, now we can all do it. It's not just a select few, somebody who stands behind a pulpit. We can all do it. All of us. Empowered by God every day. Can you say amen? So he says in Mark, we've got 25 more passages. No. Okay. So he says in Mark, <clears throat> this, is, this is a very important verse of Scripture, verse 13 of Mark 4. He said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand everything else? And what's the parable? He, he, he gave the instructions in the verses before, and then he brings explanation to what this parable is. But the parable is the sower sows the word. And he said, if you don't understand this, you won't understand anything else. If you don't, if you don't believe in the word being sown in you to begin to change your thinking and the way you think and the way you perceive the kingdom of God. See, God's kingdom and his righteousness is his way of doing and, and understanding that His way is the right way, and we got to understand His ways every day. And when we understand that, and, and we embrace that, then we can understand everything else. But not understanding it, 
okay? And not believing the importance of God's word bathing and changing our thinking, it, 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 it's like we're separated from the power source because the word of God is the power source that's connected to the person of the Holy Spirit that reveals it. But if there's no word and there's no continual word, then what you're meditating on every day is all the other information that comes in through every, every other channel in your life. Through news, through jobs, through what people think, through what people say. So we live our lives intimidated by people and in fear over what the government may do to us or this person or that instead of absolutely confident in what God does because we get a little bit of word and all this other boatload of information of things that are telling us things contrary to the word. But God's kingdom is his way of doing and being right. And if I don't understand that, then I'm going to believe the opposite of that. There's no way. And it's not because I'm a bad person believing the opposite. It's because I don't have the influence and, and, and the inroad of the word renewing and changing my mind on a daily basis. I have to have that. You and I have to have it. And it's a choice that we make. It's not something that God forces on us. It's a choice we make. And I'll just tell you this. The more word I receive and the more word I meditate on, the more word I want. It almost has this automatic uh, choice maker inside of it. (laughs) The word actually will make the choice for you because it's so good. (laughs) But you just have to choose to make sure that the word is bathing your mind. That you're listening to it and meditating on it and doing something with it. You know, every word that I hear preached, I usually unless I don't have some, but usually I'll take notes. And I'll take notes when I hear a word preached about something that I'm hearing, and I go back and I meditate on that. Because, see, I'm, t- I'm preaching something to you today, but the Holy Spirit wants to take what I'm telling you today and really break it down for you personally inside, for you intimately. That's why, That way, when I'm preaching today, it can touch everybody in here because we have the Holy Ghost that will reveal it to us personally how he wants us to take it. And it may just be one word that I say today. Wow, Pastor, you just wasted a lot of time because all I needed was that one word. <laughs> yeah, but, but everybody else needed another word out of there or, or, or more. See, that's how brilliant that God is and it's so amazing the power of the word of God. Hmm? The potential that it has. It, it, this book, and if, if I've got this book and the Webster's Dictionary side by side, information, information, the only difference is this information is never ending. This information comes to a stop. You can only get so much, you can only define a word so much unless you look at those words through this. Then it's, it's constantly being revealed and it's constantly, you know, opening up in ways that you never saw something. A a word can be revealed in ways you never even dreamed that that was the definition of it. Because the Webster's will come up to a certain limit, but the Word of God is forever evolving. Amen? And it'll never fail. No word from God will ever fail. Someone shout amen. amen. Ever fail. So, we see this parable, and then... In verse 24, he says this. He said to them, Take heed, actually, look at verse 24, if we can put that in the Amplified, just real quick. 
verse 24 in the Amplified. He said to them, Be careful what you are hearing, for the measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you, and more besides will be given to you who hear. For to him who has will more be given, and to him who has nothing, even what he has, will be taken away by force. Now that's not a real politically correct scripture right there. But that's what God says. See, because the more we don't spend time in the truth, the worse things get. But the more time we spend in the truth, even though there's attacks or things that come our way, the more we, time we spend in the truth, it produces what you need to be able to overcome whatever you face. See, it's not just a tiptoeing through the tulips kind of a world that we live in. You understand that, right? But what I want is to be able to overcome the obstacles. Life is full of obstacles and stuff that's in it. But I want to be empowered to overcome what I face. And that's what the Word produces. Can you say amen? John 14. Got this passage and one more. And I'm done. John 14. And I love this passage. And I'm going to say something right here that may, it may go a little contrary. And you, you don't, I mean, I'm just telling you what I believe about this. And I didn't always believe this about this, but I do because, you know, the revelation increases. And I didn't always believe this, but I do today. And uh, John 14.1 says this. Let not your heart be troubled. This is Jesus on that side of the cross. That side of the cross. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. The word mansions is dwelling places. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am you may be also. And I know that, and I'm not taking away, and I'm not being critical of anybody that's ever taught anything along this line, okay? But we've been taught that Jesus left the earth to go build a bunch of big houses for us. And the word right there is dwelling place. But that was on that side of the cross. And what he was telling his disciples is he was going to leave. But this passage right here is not about when he leaves when, when, when he leaves and, and after his crucifixion and goes and prepares these places for us. He's talking about the place that was prepared, the dwelling place, the intimacy place that you and I now have with God because of what he was going to produce. Because he says here, he said, I go to prepare the, this place for you and I will come again and receive you to myself that, that where I am, there you may be also. Now watch. Now, we could go through a lot of other things there, but I don't have time, and I want to just skip down to verse 12. So with that in mind, this is what he was saying. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything in my name, he said, I'll do it. Now watch, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, 
that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. Why? Because he just promised in verse 1 through 3 that he would go prepare a place that where he is will be. So today, and we'll get to this in the next two messages, but today Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father, representing who? You and I. But we're right there also through the person of the Holy Spirit, the helper that he gave us. So what he was saying, I'm going to prepare this place that where I am, that's where you'll be. And at the right hand of the Father is all power, all authority, all dominion, all rule, everything that we need is at the right hand of the Father. And where he is, that's where he went to prepare a place for, and that's where I am, and that's where you are. You and I are represented there through the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, everything that he says is so at the right hand of the Father is so through the revelation and the person of the Holy Spirit revealing it to us. Jesus said, the works that I did, you'll do, and even greater works because now I've gone to the Father. Now, now, see, when my wife and I, when we join hands and we pray, the Bible says, if any two agree is touching anything that they ask, it'll be done of the Father. See, if the Holy Spirit's revealed it to me and the Holy Spirit's revealed it to her, we can't lose. In other words, we have the right to get the same results that Jesus got on the earth because of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit's given us. But then, then if we join hands here, and then if we join hands over here, and then we join hands over here and here and all, I mean, just think of what can happen now. He said, you'll do even greater works because I've gone to the Father, and now the Holy Ghost will live in each and every one of you, and we can all do the exact same stuff. We don't, there's no limitations Think about, we're talking about God that lives in us. God lives in us. This, this last week, my mother that birthed me passed. And she breathed her last breath. And I, my sister was with her. I wasn't with her when she breathed the last breath, but the phone was up to her mouth and I could hear her breathe her last breath and you know it's sad when you lose somebody you know I mean it, there, there's a sadness that's attached to it there's a there's a, a loneliness or this reality that you can't ever call them again and connect with them you know there's just something about that because you've you, different ones of you have lost people there's something that I didn't realize that was really Something, when you lose somebody that gave birth to you, something, even if you didn't have a great relationship, there's something that's connected there because God connected. But the moment she breathed her last breath, the body's done, and who she is spiritually is face-to-face with God. Right? I mean, that's the reality. And the more we understand spiritual things and don't get so wrapped up in all the natural fleshly stuff, the more productive we'll be in the Spirit. See, if, if you don't listen to a message like this very often, or if you've never heard a message like this before, I mean, you're not going to necessarily believe what I'm saying. You've got to go study it out to decide whether you believe it or not, right? 
You can't believe it just because I said it. But the amazing thing is that when we leave here, if we're born again, we're with God. See? So why not spend all of our time here understanding his kingdom and his righteousness instead of trying to figure out who we are when he, that's what he's here to do is to reveal to us who we are. He, he, he wants us to know who we are and where we are in his whole situation. And he created us, you and I, he created us to do the works that he did and even greater because he's at the right hand of the Father. And, and I can't say that enough, and I'm saying it and driving the point home today because I want you to understand the life of Jesus as much as you understand the resurrection of Jesus. Because his life was the example that you and I are to follow after. I just, I just take this opportunity right now to encourage you to read the Gospels through at least once a year. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because they're like, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is like the supreme word that you need. I mean, the whole Bible is great. But Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the life and the times of Jesus and what he did and what he accomplished for you and I. So I can't encourage you enough to read those on a, you know, at least on a yearly basis. It'll do amazing things for you every time you read it. John 17, and I'll end with this. So this, this is Jesus' prayer to the Father about himself and about his disciples and about the future. In verse 6 he says, and this is Jesus praying this to the Father, I've manifested your name to the men whom you've given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Isn't that amazing? How many in here can think of how many times Peter didn't keep the word? Hmm? But his prayer to the Father was, and they kept your word. You know why? You know what? They just didn't quit. They stayed with him. Verse 11. Now I'm no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. This is Jesus talking to the Father, that, that we would be one as the two of them are one. Verse 14. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray, verse 15, that you should take them out of the world, but that you would keep them from the evil one. So his prayer wasn't that we would be pulled out of the world, see, but that we would have authority and dominion over the evil one day to day. See, we live in a world that is, that is ugly. The Bible is real clear. Prophecy is real clear, right? Darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but God. But God. Amen? Verse 20, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Who's he talking about? You and me, right? 
He said, I don't pray for these alone, just as disciples that were there, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, and on and on and on in the duplication process, all the way down for the last 2,000 plus years to us right now. In verse 21, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. Verse 23, I and them, and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you sent me and have loved them as you've loved me. That the world may know. That the world may know. That the world may know that you really sent me. How? When you and I walk in the revelation that God loves you as much as he does Jesus. God loves you just like he does Jesus. And all our mistakes, all the things that we've done in life, doesn't matter. Notice Jesus' prayer. Man, I'm telling you, the, the disciples made some huge boo-boos. They've kept your word, Lord. Why? Because they came, they repented, and they went and did right. They came and dealt with themselves and did right. See? Because they could see how real this thing was, how real their relationship with God was. But when you and I understand how much that God loves us, then we're able to love other people. And, 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 and I'm just, <clears throat> I mean, I'm, I'm saying this personally, and I mean this from my heart. If I'm laboring to love God with everything that is in me, if I'm laboring to do that, I'm wasting my time because I don't have the ability to do that. With everything that's in me, love God with everything that's on the inside of me. I can't do that. But what I can do is when I see how much he loved me, I can turn around and emulate that. That's why we've got to emulate the life of Jesus and understand it and realize that in that passage in Luke when he said, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Most of them were mad and angry and wanted to throw him out, tried to stone him, and it wasn't his time. He just walked through. Today I'm telling you, that scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing today. And I'm telling you what he did for Jesus, he's done for you. And how Jesus operated in planet Earth, he created you to operate that way. And the life that he lived is the life that you and I were created to live. And it's not a labor. And it's not something we have to try to do. It's something that we, that we get to practice every day and learn to live that way. And the more I study the Word and I see myself in the Scriptures, the more I see that these Scriptures were patented and created just for me to fit and work out every day of my life. Think about this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's all just say it together, just that one little scripture. Ready? Let's say it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Wow. Wow. How many things? Wow, 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 wow. How many times? I've been saved for over 38 years, and I can't tell you 
it'd be thousands and thousands and thousands of times that I've confessed that scripture. But today, as I'm saying it to you and you and I are saying it, today that scripture is fulfilled in our hearing. No matter what you face, what you have to do, what tomorrow holds, God's there, he's already there, tomorrow's already there, next week is already there, it's already been created. So when I step into it, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me through what he accomplished. And next week, we're talking about the 12 most grueling and horrific hours that any human being has ever experienced on planet Earth. That's what we're going to look at and we're going to talk about. Because what it produced in the garden, Jesus said, Lord, if there be any other way, let that way happen. But not my will, but yours be accomplished. And when he chose that, he empowered you and I to be able to do all that we can do today. Can you say amen? Amen. Glory to God.